Testing, testing, one, two, three, four, five. Just testing to see if I could count to five. Are we getting any levels? Yeah, yeah, you certainly can count to five. Okay. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. (laughs) What's that? That is a Happy Gilmore quote. Okay. (laughs) One of the all-time greats. Oh, yeah. Well, good morning. Good morning. Monday, December 12th, 2022. 12, 12, 2022. That's got to be something. Yeah. Coming up on uh, today is what? Episode 102? 10 something, right? Of the Mind Virus podcast. This, this is the Mind Virus podcast. So you've lost count, huh? 105. This is 105. It is 105. Wow. Yeah, I have lost count. And almost two years to the day since our first recording. You are correct. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? We started this way back on December 14th, 2020. So this is essentially the two-year commemorative episode. We probably should have put more planning into it. Maybe, uh, maybe more than just, what do you want to talk about? I don't know what do you want to talk about. Let's go. Let's get this done with. I think that's what we just barely said. <laughs> Right before we started. I feel like we say that a lot. We should have planned more. <laughs> I know. I think we're, we're falling into a rut. Well, I was thinking this morning, I was kind of scrolling through some bookmarked tweets and things, kind of things that I thought we might brought, bring up. And I just thought, everything is just so absurd. It's, everything is awesome. <laughs> everything, everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, two years. Uh, we've got two years of episodes, 105 episodes up on the website with a lot of copious show notes and references and links. Yeah, we've got a lot of sources. I mean, if if at least, if we didn't do anything, at least we tried to s- put some sources up, selective sources. We've still, in two years and 105 episodes of doing this, we've never really had any pushback. We've never had anybody really come after us and say, you're wrong. You're wrong on this. You're wrong on that. You we guys did get are... some COVID warnings on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I take those as a, as a badge of honor. Which means that our audience is... Uh, yeah, if, you're not, if you don't have some of those, you're not talking about anything interesting. Right. Which means that our audience is really small and, uh, and compliant, or we have a large audience and we're just that good. Probably the latter. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I would think probably. <clears throat> so today I think we should just get really controversial and say things, and, and hopefully we get a lot of attention out of it. Okay, say something controversial. Um, um Okay, I got one. I got one. 
Avatar is not a good movie. Okay. <laughs> or uh, uh, my, I have some children that would beg to differ with you. How about this one? Put on the blue Avatar, Dad. We want to watch blue Avatar. Well, you want you mean the one where they look like tall alien Indian type people, or the one where? It, it's the guy that has the blue arrow on his head. The blue avatar. <laughs> well, there's another the blue. First one, the there's former. An, there's another blue avatar coming out. Which, by the way, Avatar, the last airbender, predates Avatar, the blue, the blue avatar. James Cameron movie. He just sort of stole that, I, that, that name. But there's a new blue avatar. You think he stole it like the first time it was used was the only time it could be used. No, I mean he just he just used it. Okay, but there, there was already a fictional universe out there using. Since that you're being name. controversial, controversial, you did accuse James Cameron of stealing. No, I just accused him of making a bad movie. Yeah, that's he's true. actually a talented guy. He's made a lot of great movies, but Avatar's not one of them. You don't like av- Blue Avatar. No, it's just a silly plot. It's it's just a lot of ridiculous. Why did it make so much money? Because this for its time, the three D effects were astounding. Like they were kind of a breakthrough. Kind of like remember when Jurassic Park came out in what nineteen ninety two or ninety three? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Those effects, I mean, still hold up today. If you watch the original Jurassic Park, oh, yeah. and for its time, it was mind blowing. And so people wanted to experience that uh, that level of special effects in that thrilling, hor- horrible horror horror type, you know, suspenseful adventure movie, and and it was a great cinematic uh, uh, event. So the first Blue Avatar was two thousand nine, right? By that point, we had a lot of pretty dang good technology. Right, but it was kind of a I mean, step Iron forward. Man was two thousand eight. Yeah, but uh, I think Avatar kind of took took all of that to the next level. Uh, I mean, most of that movie <laughs> is CGI. Like the the characters are CGI. The the blue people. Well, Phantom Menace was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, but it didn't look nearly as convincing. Convincing. Plus, you don't you didn't have, if I'm remembering right. <clears throat> One of the big breakthroughs with Avatar was the the faces. Uh, of the Titanic was 1997. I think a lot of those people were CGI. You have a lot of faces in in Avatar that are quote unquote acting, and human faces have always lagged behind when it comes to CGI. And I think that was a breakthrough in that. Okay. But the plot, it was, it was dumb. It was a, just a silly, you know, white man bad, technology bad, native peoples innocent, incapable of harm. You know, just that typical... Right, unless you're an esotericist. It was just boring, too. It was so predictable. Now there's another one, and it looks like the same plot, right? And the trailer's out, and... You have the guy who assimilated, right? The human that assimilated in the first movie and became a Navi, a right. na- naive. And now he's, it looks like, you know, he's trying to learn how to live that life. And of course, there's bad people on, in helicopter shooting guns. Yeah. So, so are we going to talk about Avatar today? I hope not. Okay. 
We don't have to, but uh, I think I think there's a whole nother level there that there that um, Cameron was operating on that uh, people missed. Like similarly to how the Marvel guys framed Thanos as sort of a population control artist, mm-hmm. and then very deliberately cast him with all this functional uh functional all the all the functional roles that he played and the the goals that he was trying to accomplish aside from destroying half of the cosmos and uh the iconography that they put on him you know they 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 painted him as this population control guy but then they gave him all this cosmic uh all, all the cosmic symbols relating to Christ. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Avatar is one of those uh, movies, I think, where uh, Cameron is w- winking at a very small portion of the population saying, look at what I know. Perhaps. Perhaps. I, I mean, I, he calls, I, he, they, the metal thereafter is called unobtainium. Right. Which sounds like they just put all their money into CGI and didn't give a flip about the story. Right, and I'll admit, I saw it in the theaters when it came out, and I've never seen it since. So I've never looked at it with any kind of... Never looked back. Don't look back. Well, I'll watch watch a movie that I like a lot. That's Boston. But I I didn't like that movie, so I just, I moved on. There is a ride at Disney World uh, based on Avatar, which is pretty cool. We really should sing a lot more on the podcast, I think. We'll let the, re- we'll let the listeners chime in on that. But there's a ride at Disney World in Orlando, Florida that's based on Avatar, which is pretty cool. Is that a Disney, yeah, D- Disney partner or Disney, they buy the franchise? They, they own that. They own it. Did, did they own it to start with? They didn't, right? I don't know. I don't know. Disney Disney owns a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff. And they're they're uh, actively ruining just about every franchise they own. But uh, there's a couple of rides actually at Disney World that are avatar based. One is kind of a lazy river type Pirates of the Caribbean type where you're in a boat. And then another is more of a thrill ride where you it's like a, a flying simulator you kind of move and stuff and you feel like you're soaring through the air on one of these pterodactyl things that they ride. Right. I don't remember the name. And it's it's pretty cool. Like I, the technology around Avatar has always been pretty cool. They put they use that franchise for whatever reason to promote a lot of the en- enhancements and breakthroughs in cinematic and entertainment technology, which which is fine. Right. So so do you want to talk about Avatar? This is interesting stuff. First of all, we got to try the this uh Yeah, uh, that, sitting you, here in front of me, I have uh, a little packet that says Drilling Tools International. Yeah, that's Sales <laughs> at drillingtools.com. I've got I got this package here that Bobby handed me. Inside it, I assume is uh, something like elk jerky that I'm supposed to what, test. What you're holding in your hand is wild. You is wild organic. Ethically sourced, free range, sustainable, grass fed. Do you want to? Do you want to have some while we're on the sustainable? Show I gotta. I'm taking hand butchered wild Wyoming elk. Doing a little bit of a 
sound effect here for you <clears throat> to prove that I am and, partaking. And uh, for whatever reason, mm. the, uh, the... Wild elk, the, I will partake. The processor uses this drilling tools label when they package stuff up. But this is a... a non-sanitary bubble wrap. This uh, is a... Vacuum wrap. This is the... Uh, this is excellent. Natural flavor. They call it natural flavor. This is excellent. Here, push that back over here. I'll put that in my backpack. Yeah, please do. <laughs> uh, it's a, a local processor. They do very good jerky. We've we've had uh, lots, a few different kinds in our house recently, both deer and elk, and they do very good jerky. Yeah, that is not bad. I've also got a freezer full you'd of steaks. For like a little tiny packet like this over at Costco, you'd pay... That would cost $20 at Costco. Maybe 10 15 It's not that much jerky. How much is it? There's more in there than you think. Yeah, there's more. Okay, so yeah, so the Costco guys would have chopped that up into little pieces and sold it to you as if it looked bigger. Right. But that, that's, What do you think that is, like five ounces? Uh, it's probably half a pound. Maybe, eight ounces. Maybe eight ounces. I haven't weighed it. <laughs> I'm going to be weighed on the way out. They weighed me on the way in, and they're going to charge me for how much I weigh on the way out. <laughs> this is really good stuff, Bobby. Yeah, it is. They they did a good job. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, that is... Might be uh, gone by the time we're done here. That is, uh, what do they call it? Uh, field to... Field tested? Field to table. I have a pretty good chain of custody on that meat. Went from the mountains of Wyoming to mm-hmm. the... To the back of a side-by-side, to the back of a pickup truck, to the meat processor. And he staked that out for two weeks. Put a private camera in there so that no (laughs) government officials could do anything with the elk. Back to the back of a pickup truck and into my freezer. (laughs) Yeah, assuming that they they do a good job of keeping track of what's what at the processor. But I think they do. They... they, uh, the labeling all checked out. So, like, how many cubic feet of meat did you end up with in the back of your truck when you when you came back to your house? Well, I came back with two animals, uh, a deer and an elk. Okay, so how many cubic feet? Like that? Like you must have had to buy a new freezer. Did you say? Didn't you say something about buying a new freezer? I did buy a new freezer, <laughs> and it's just about full. The new one, but they're smaller freezers. But uh, I guess if you. It, between both animals, we got about five cubic feet of solid meat. meat. Yeah, because we bought a five. If this were Minecraft, <laughs> right? <laughs> we would have had five blocks of meat. <clears throat> so yeah, that's gonna feed us, uh, feed our family and uh, friends and family for a long time. I hope during the ongoing apocalypse. Yeah, speaking of, it's definitely ongoing. You Have want to you, talk about the apocalypse or you want to talk about Avatar? Because it has something to do, to do with the apocalypse. If we watch Avatar, or if we talk about Avatar, I'd like to watch it again. Just have a fair ch- crack at it. But I don't want to watch it again. Well, then let's just, let's just go through some <laughs> of the symbols. We won't, we won't do like a deep dive. Okay. But uh, what, what was the thing that you wanted to talk about? Speaking of the apocalypse. Oh, just the ongoing so with the Twitter file stuff that, that further further we got to mention the some follow up stuff today. Like I'll make a list here. I'll do like okay. a little agenda. Okay, we're gonna talk about Avatar, and then we're gonna talk about current event type of stuff. Like put put down. Let's do our planning meeting right now. Okay, what do you think you want to talk about here in five ten minutes? Uh, maybe half an hour after I get done like ranting and raving. 
in arguing with you. Well, we've got to Twitter mention, files. We've got to mention the follow-up Twitter files. There's been three or four more. Yeah, we got to go over that because the, there was the sh- the general. Yes, we shadow ban people. Get used to it. Tweet, which I found. Well, we'll wait. We'll wait to talk about that. Okay. And then the Donald Trump stuff, right? Yeah, they talked about the in detail the the banning of Donald Trump, but they've since um, they've since gone into a little more detail on some other stuff. And Elon Musk continues to trigger the state. Oh yeah, like they're going to go into uh, Fauci next. Yeah, he COVID. He said <laughs> Musk and Musk love him, hate him, whatever. I I still don't have a real strong opinion on him, but he is an excellent troll. <laughs> yeah. And he tweeted, he said, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci. <laughs> that probably and that brought out everybody. That brought out the Fauci apologists, everyone from John Brennan. Really? You know, John Brennan, a, a model of integrity and truth. Former and, director of the Central Intelligence Agency. To various members of Congress and members of the press, just not only lining up to defend Fauci, but also saying that using the pronoun format, you know, he, him, she, her, in a, in a Z, 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 Zen, they, them, in a joke like that is inciting violence and is, a, is a, a going to cost the lives of trans people. Oh, because trans people are dropping dead like flies. It's because of uh, the vaccine, isn't it? I mean, like, there's the whole died suddenly. Yeah. What was it? A documentary that was done by Stu Peters that got erased from existence, erased from right. That discussion. documentary died suddenly. There was a died suddenly story, which has some interesting subtext and some conspiracy surrounding it. There's a uh, this looks like this is like a workup. We're doing a little bit of a workup for our um, year in review type of thing, which is going to have to come either next week or the following week. Because that has been a two-year tradition on the Mind Virus right. show. So every year, <laughs> every year we do, since the inception of this right. podcast, we do a year in review and tell you. And predictions. Well, that's the next episode. So we do the year in review and then we do predictions a couple, either the next week or a couple of weeks we after We need that. to go back it's and an listen. It's an institutional thing. It's a, po- it's a podcast institution. We need to go back and listen to our past predictions and see how we scored. That's isn't that part is that part of the year in review or is it part so. of the uh I think we've um, done that maybe as part of the year in review but we could part of the predictions you know we've done this so many times I should remember but we'll have to go back and check but uh on the died suddenly front there's a a there's a journalist covering the world cup the soccer world cup an american oh, I, heard, I saw that headline journalist who died suddenly while covering a game, during a game, he collapsed and died in Qatar. 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 When I was a kid, we we were taught it was Qatar. But then during the Gulf War, remember the first Gulf War? People started calling it Qatar. People started calling it Qatar. Anyway, the World Cup is being played there, and this journalist. There's a couple interesting things about this, and and and. First of all, you have to disclaim it a little, what I'm going to say. I have to disclaim a little bit. I'm not taking any satisfaction in this. It's a sad story. But there's some subtext there that makes this really interesting on two fronts. The first is that this journalist was very pro-vaccine, 
talked a lot about on Twitter, getting the vaccine, it's safe, it's effective, it's clearly effective. How you protect people, et cetera, et cetera. Now he's collapsed and died suddenly. The other subtext is that he was very outspoken critic of Cotter. And he's an LGBTQ XYZ blah blah blah. Right. And but also he's promoter. talked about the the you know building these stadiums, um the workers building these stadiums. Oh, that's right. Have Lots been of people died. Bad bad situations. There's been fatalities. It's a horrible human rights situation. And he's pointed that out. So there's some people claiming that he was murdered by the Cotter government for his outspoken criticisms. So, you know, you choose which color or brand of tinfoil hat you want to put on. Both, both things could be true. The vaccine could have killed him, and he could have also been uh, don't you, murdered. Don't you, if you want to punish somebody to make a statement, don't you generally like make it clear that... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, this is what happens when you cross the Qatar government. Like the, the Saudi prince that murdered the journalist, it became pretty clear that, look, right. you know, you want to you expose our, our wrongdoing. Well, we might just have our guys chop you up at the embassy. Right. And it could be neither of those things, obviously. That's probably the vaccine. He did complain about chest pain a few days before. Well, the vaccine causes... Right. Heart problems. There's no there's no question Plots. there's no question the vaccine is causing problems. See, we're going to get a covid uh, stamp for this one because I just made a un, an unsourced Well, actually we probably won't get a covid uh, stamp for this you because could source I, that. Well, but I made I'm I'm not sourcing it. So, if we sourced <laughs> it, we would probably get in trouble, but if we don't <clears throat> source it, that's okay. Rasmussen reports, which is a big pollster in the United States, okay. um, ran a survey uh, about the vaccine, asking people about whether or not they're vaccinated and have they had any major side effects, major side effects. And 7% of the respondents said they have had major side effects. Now, if that's, 7%. If that's accurate, if you extrapolate that and it's accurate to the whole country, to the whole... What was it? About half of the country got vaccinated. We got 330 million people. <clears throat> if... That sixty percent got vaccinated. That 7% is astounding. That is astronomically high when you consider the uh, the the major side effect rate of other That's drugs 13. and vaccines. 13.8 million if you consider 60% they, what they of estimate yeah, they estimate about vaccinated. they estimate about 12 12 point something million people based on their data i would argue i would argue that that's a little low i'd say 13.86 looks about right based on my extensive analysis they found in their findings they say 32 percent of americans are not vaccinated um so that's pretty good off the head off the top of your head math that you did there but i used a calculator but let's let's say 10 to 15 million people have had major side effects now this does not count the people who are dead because they were unable to, to participate <laughs> in the survey. And Rasmussen does a couple interesting things here in their findings. One, they mentioned that. They said the dead people were unable to be reached. And the second thing they say is here as much as Google will allow us to share. So they kind of are, are, are pointing out like this kind of stuff censored? is highly censored. 
See the yeah. Okay, well I got a big I got a big list here. Keep we gotta we gotta add to our list the Salt Lake Tribune person of the year. Because Eric Mutzos, I know Eric, you're probably listening. You're not on the list this year, so you can't come in and, and sweep the field, uh make the you know, just yeah. R- yeah. run rough shot over all their <laughs> crappy choices. Um, yeah, they put him on there as a troll option and he won. And then they handily just, they just conveniently ignored that he won and Gave the award to somebody else. I think they gave it to frontline workers or something that year, <laughs> a couple of years ago. Oh, <clears throat> uh, the world we live in. So, so that yeah, that's another good thing we could talk about the Rasmussen survey, or, or the Google the Google shadow banning censorship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is being run up the flagpole by Elon Musk. Which, who, why? And why now are the questions I think right. I would like to ask about that because I don't necessarily feel a lot of trust for Mr. Musk and his agenda. Yeah, he's his he, Neuralink he, agenda. It's almost too, it's almost too good, right? And it, it you have to wonder what here, what are the motivations? But for the time being, <clears throat> he's upsetting all the right people, which is interesting. He's upsetting your favorite people. Oh, speaking of your favorite people, okay. An om- an, Do not mention your girlfriend. Uh, an om- oh, om- ombudsman? ombudsman. Ombudsman. What's an ombudsman or an ombudsman? In New Zealand, found that the COVID response in New Zealand was in violation of basic human rights. It's like, oh, well, you don't say. An official imp- appointed to investigate individuals' complaints against maladministration, especially that of public authorities. That's what an ombudsman is let's see here i got a, I got a pronunciation here ombudsman um like that sounded really american ombudsman um well anyway one of those found that new zealand was committing atrocities which is quite funny if you can you know that it took some sort of investigation to know that <laughs> is this a, somebody that uh, your friend yacinda appointed or a, a self-appointed uh, let's ombudsman. see here this is the headline the chief ombudsman has agreed with what we've always known to be true the government's miq allocation system was heartless and cruel quote a fundamental human right was being limited and people's lives were being significantly impacted and that is uh, you might uh, as well just forward me that link right now we'll throw a source up there people can go read about that well, you can, but understand that that is not an official correspondence from your single source of truth. Your single, your cinder source of truth. Hmm. <clears throat> okay. Any other any other <coughs> things you want to get on the docket? Because no, I, I think we'll <laughs> only allow we'll only allow as many unscheduled items as we have scheduled items. So I think we've got one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six-ish. It's all Six un- to ten it's, scheduled it's items. It's And so six to ten unscheduled thoughts or tangents equating to roughly one or two hours. That's all we're going to allow here on the podcast. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Avatar. Okay. Because here's the thing. You being a stalwart member of the uh, prevailing religion in in the state of Utah. Statism? (laughs) 
Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Bobby Flood. I stand corrected. Bobby Bobby Flood being a model member of perhaps perhaps I'll qualify this the second most <laughs> highly <laughs> commonly attended religion in the state. Chuckarama? No. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not gonna get away with the second time. <laughs> You're right the first time, not the second time. I would think you would be interested in the idea of Avatar. I probably am. You're a video gamer too. So, mm-hmm. no, the, so the concept behind the film is cool. Okay, right. Yeah, and it's a message movie. It's a totally trying to, it's, it's like a wink and a nod to quote people who know, I guess. I'm not sure if they're on the, on the good side of the no or the bad side of the no, but, you know, so what's an avatar? An avatar is a, well, it, it can be a number of things, but it's a digital representation of yourself. It's your character in World of Warcraft, or it's your little portrait picture on a Twitter or a, a mm-hmm. Facebook profile picture. Right. So the, the, the first Google search pulls up uh, definitions, which I believe is a Google definition here. And that's the second definition, an icon or a figure representing a particular person in a video game, internet forums, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the second definition. The first definition is in Hinduism, it's a manifestation of a deity or a released soul in bodily form on the earth. Right. So that I think is the clearly the name of the show and the the main idea of the show is um obvious for lack of a better word. It's pretty obvious that that's what they're talking about, right? Because the the premise is that the humans are going to another world and they have to in order to be able to uh, exist in the atmosphere of that planet without any special aids like oxygen, right? They they have to take on an avatar. Then they have these specially engineered avatars that look like the native population that they right. th- that some of the scientists go into to basically to. The, the whole goal of their avatar program is to interface with the native population, right? While, they, while the corporate interests try to mine this metal called unobtainium. Right, just a placeholder name. It'll never make it into the film. Okay, so that, that's the question. I mean, that's, that's a big question. What are they... What's, what's really going through James Cameron, the guy who did Terminator... Right? Yeah. Terminator fame? Terminator. He did uh, Abyss. There's two ways you can look at... Titanic. Okay. So he's got two of the top biggest grossing films of all time. And you're thinking he just threw in a placeholder name for no good reason. That's my... I'm just... That's a question. Right, right. right. Because I don't think there's really anything too unobtainium other than that it's too obvious it's like, here we're gonna do this Cowboys and Indians show with a double with a double esoteric meeting inside of it, and most people aren't gonna like it, but everybody else is gonna love it. They're gonna pay big money to watch it, and we're gonna wink and nod at the people who know what we're really talking about. 
That's kind of what I think is going on with Avatar. So when they call it unobtainium, it's like, well, yeah, kids, kids will think that's kind of funny or everybody's going to think that's kind of funny. I mean, it's a, it's, aren't some of the best pieces of art caricatures? They're like, they, they, they're highly stylized. You know, like that's what you have yeah. here is a highly stylized uh, presentation in film. You, you have... You have this human corporate. Now, remember, it's not just humanity. It's the corporate side of humanity, right? Yeah, you've got corporate, the corporate side, and you've also got sort of the academic science side, and they're the good guys. Corporate guys are the bad guys. The, the corporate, there's no distinction if I'm remembering right. Remember, I've only seen this once, and it was a long okay, time Okay, so ago. we shouldn't deep, deep, deep dive. But the corporate and the military are indistinguishable, right? Or there's even like the corporate. Yes, it's, it's the been corporation 13, has its own it's mercenary been 13 force. Thirteen years since Bobby saw this, so you guys are going to have to cut him some slack. And the we're merc- not going to come back and revisit this because he hates it. And the mercenary force is the most stereotypical, like white trash, redneck, bloodthirsty. Well, the, is it the major or the colonel or the captain, whoever, who's got the the scars on his face from the experience in this other world yeah he just he's just the you don't even have to have seen the movie to know exactly how he acts what he looks like what his motivations are and of course all of his followers you know the paid mercenary forces are all exactly the same they're kind of like the villains in the 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 church productions where they the the anti-mormons are always just yelling Tobacco and shouting. Tobacco spitting, swearing, yelling, violent, bloodthirsty. Tarring and feathering everybody. Yeah, right. Right. It's just there's no nuance. And good storytelling involves nuance. We've mentioned before that the best villains are the ones that you identify and kind of like in a way or, or understand. Yeah. And the, the black hat mustache twirling villain is not that usually nor is the white hat hero well the 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 best the most convincing villains yeah they're the voldemorts for sure and the best heroes are ones that have flaws and that could fall yeah or thanos uh makes a good villain because he's got so much there's so much about him he's they developed that character so well um well i don't think that the the message is of Avatar is particularly intricate or anything. I think there's some very basic elements that they just are trying to throw out there. Some other James Cameron highlights while we're on the topic. You mentioned the Terminators. He did Rambo. Well, what's for, the, t- the First question? Blood Part Two. Okay, wh- 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 let's go to Terminator. Are those just action movies? No, no, I don't think so. What are they? Um, they're movies. With uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean, they're they're and these are other ones I haven't so seen in a movies. long time, but they're definitely action movies. But they're kind of end of days. Yeah, they're apocalypse. eschatological <laughs> right. commentaries, and they're very futuristic. You know about where where is this world headed? What's right. what's uh, now? I don't I don't see these as uh, super es- esoteric, but they're more than just action films. I think they're commentaries on where where we're headed again. Corporations get us into World War. Th- Three essentially, and then right. they they create our total destruction in this AI called Skynet, also called 
Twitter, Google, Amazon, <laughs> Facebook, Meta, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he did True Lies. Oh, uh, True Lies was hilarious. Titanic, as we've mentioned, Avatar. Um, and he's w- scheduled for three more Avatar movies. Um, well, he's been talking about that for 10 years. Yeah, but the second one is coming now. It's, it's Finally. It's, it's out there, or the trailers are out there. And he's done some documentaries as well, but the, that filmography dating back to the late 70s is, is pretty influential. Just the Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss. He did Alien? Aliens. Aliens. 1986, which I think was the first. Was that the first is one? Is that Sigourney Weaver? I think so. Let's see. Aliens is a yeah, 1986 sci-fi, sci-fi film written and directed by James Cameron. It is the sequel to the 1979 science fiction horror film Alien and the second film in the Alien franchise. Um, yes, yeah, Sigourney Okay, Weaver's so he didn't that. do Alien. He did Aliens. Right. But those are pretty, those are pretty in, influential uh, action films, if we could say such that, oh, yeah. that action films are, have ever been influential. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but of course we can. No, the uh, no. I think all of this stuff influences. I think we don't give film enough attention in that it does it has influenced society dramatically. Well, clearly it has. I mean, you talk about the Avengers a lot. One of the one of the underlying messages in the Avengers is that we. We're helpless. We're helpless without a bunch of state-sponsored superheroes. Yeah. And they're the only people who can solve the problems. Yeah. Even the gods of Avengers are sponsored and funded by the state. Yeah. And they're controlled by the state. They they right. have to they have to uh defer to their judgment and then and, and when they don't, it's <clears throat> bad and well you see this playing out in the real world. Uh with with the the Twitter files, people are so mad about this. But their one of their defenses is, well, we we have to censor misinformation yeah. because if we if we let misinformation out there, people will die. And so you have to defer to the experts. And who are the experts? Well, they're the experts are who we say the experts are. And the most of the quote unquote experts. In name your field, pick your field, are owned and operated and funded and controlled by the state. Right. It's a technocracy. <clears throat> Absolutely. It's actually, the technocracy is actually here. And, and tech, technocracy is a real um, movement. It was, it, it's been a, a political, an organized political movement for well over 50 years. Right. Uh, I've got to find a, uh, to link to, a documentary podcast, you know, about an hour long thing that it was James Corbett. Right. The did Cor- on Corbett report. Yeah. The Corbett report did a good, a good overview and he definitely, uh, Oh, it, I think it was more about Elon Musk, but it ends up being about technocracy and he shows you who Elon Musk is related to and how he's involved in this technocracy movement. That's what's so interesting about it, because it's it's a real thing, like the National Socialist Party or the Fabian Socialists or the Democrat Party well, or whatever. This is a real political movement. Let's keep in mind here that uh, Elon Musk, for all the entertainment and may, maybe good that he's done recently with Twitter, he now owns Twitter, 
which is a massive, massive communication tool that has a huge impact on the national conversation. Well, the global conversation. So I I would say it went something like this. He saw that uh, Jeff Bezos purchased the Washington Post and then Bezos gets divorced and he loses his status as richest man in the world. And Elon says, you bought the Post. I think I'll just buy Twitter. Right. That looks way better than Zuck's Facebook, right? Which is waning. I'll I'll just buy Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I like it better. And and it's really, it's going to be one of the questions of our age: <laughs> Who is Elon Musk, and what is he really doing? Yeah, and, which will play out. We'll know soon enough. I mean, this is a guy that wants to put chips in your head. Yeah. But maybe, maybe people can change. People can repent. Maybe he is sincerely having his eyes open. Who knows? Well, anyway, just final thoughts on Avatar here. Let's talk about the Twitter files, the twit files, the tweets. See, I just would have thought that you being a, um, the epitome of excellence in this uh, second most popular religion of the state of Utah that you would have been more interested in a film that is all about going to another world and getting a body. Yeah, I, 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 I l- let me uh, repeat. I, I saw the movie when it first came out in what, yeah. 2009. 2009, I was still half asleep. And I was watching that movie from a, okay, let's go see this movie. Now check it out. It's popular. It was a humongous screen, like an IMAX size screen, and I was on the front row. Oh, really? And so it was rather uncomfortable. <laughs> but maybe that adds the, to the whole the simplicity of the of the plot just rubbed me the wrong way, and I've never revisited it. Now, now, I, there's some really cool concepts. Well, it's like a, in it, the film. Yeah, it's like a w- world ex- exploration type of a thing. A lot of it has right. a lot of the allure was due to the CGI and how cool the world is, and of course, the two characters, the um, S- Sully or Sc- I can't remember yeah. his name. Yeah, he he's the Marine who's injured who takes on the Avatar, and he can now or he was paralyzed. Now he can right. walk and. He, of course, becomes romantically involved with the Navi princess, and right. I, you know people like to say that that Navi word means they're the naive, but right. it also is related to birth. Right? Navi can be uh, more of a renaissance, right. renaissance or not new uh, life type of a thing because that's what the whole thing is about is is taking on a new life. No, the 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 and, the setup was. It was really cool, and it's clearly it clearly they have uh, something to say about the tree of life because right. they have a tree of life, and they have these multiple uh, trees in the movie where the different tribes uh, are centered around. And so, anyway, they they get they hit on the main symbols. They hit on right. some of the major symbols, and so there. I think there are two two pieces of propaganda going on there. Well, the very heavy-handed propaganda is America bad, everyone else good. Yeah, a lot of people thought it was like a commentary on the uh, us going after the natives 
in, in, well, in America and also, or in every, in every country or this whatever. Was, this was 2009. This was still when the Iraq and Afghanistan wars were big news. And you had the American That's true. military pushing uh, others around. Well, and there's the whole, you know, push for oil right. linkage. Right. Now, those are all interesting things. You could have a commentary on that, on that stuff. But I think good storytelling, good storytelling, you ha- every character in the film, the audience has to understand or think they understand a character's motivations. And, and yeah, well, those motivations might be money and power, but, you, but just having the guy, like there's a scene where the flat-topped general is like sip, you know, casually sipping his coffee as the, his airship is zapping, you know, uh, Navi out of the sky. And it just, it's all so stupid. It's so, it's so, um, over it's the top. how they act though, you know? But but in a in a situation, if somebody's really in an airship in a war, they're not going to be sitting there casually sipping coffee. They're going to be in an intense battle. But there's but but even that aside, there's no character development. We talk about Ray, right? We bag on that a lot. There's no character development with Ray. Well, you've got to develop your villains too. Yeah, they do. They do the Jake Sully development, and th- and that's where you see the hero. Of yeah, course, yeah, and and I do want to point out he goes through stages that are very much uh, sort of a prototypical hero stage. It's not quite what you would think, though. He he wakes up and realizes that he wants to be in this other world, which is more alive. Well, and which he, is a theme can, we've talked about: the living get, world versus the dead world that we get, inhabit. He gets his legs back. There's a nice lady. His, his yeah, his wisdom counterpart is there, and he goes through three stages. He he first tames the the ground beasts, then he tames the air beasts, then he tames the ultimate air beasts, and he becomes their their war leader, the leader of their hosts, which mm-hmm. is essentially, uh, and and they are aliens, so they would be considered heavenly hosts. That is what the word um, Jehovah Sabaoth technically means in uh, more academic terms. It would be Yahweh. Uh, I don't think we talked about this very much, but Jehovah is sort of a uh, early Renaissance was 1500s. Some Catholic priest decided to put um, a f- uh, phonetic framework to the YHWH, the Yohed mm-hmm. um sacred tetragrammaton, and he decided it was pronounced Jehovah. And scholars today believe it's more well, scholars. That's that's a cop out. I I think, and more, I think it's more common to see people uh, believe that it's. Yahweh is how you would pronounce mm-hmm. that rather than Jehovah. Right. And there are other there are other appellations or or names or titles of Christ like Yahol that fi- you find in pseudepigraphical works or or apocryphal works that I think back up the fact that it's um Yahweh not Jehovah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh the the term uh, Yahweh Sabaoth or Jehovah Sabaoth is something that's widely misunderstood, especially in you know gospel doctrine types of settings. People will associate associate the word Sabaoth with the Sabbath, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with the Sabbath. Uh, the Saba in Hebrew means S A B A means the an army or a host, and Sabaoth is the plural of that. So. 
Yahweh Sabaoth is just a fancy way or a more ancient way of saying Jesus, Lord of the hosts, or Jehovah, mm-hmm. Lord of the heavenly hosts. And so you see that's what happens to the Sam Worthington character. He ascends through these stages and he becomes the Lord of the heavenly hosts, and then they destroy the people who have usurped control in their land. So again, it is this it is the narrative of the of the of the epic war in the cosmos, the Titanomachy or Theomachy, right. if you will. And they they hit on a lot of the big um, symbols, Avatar being one, and then of course the the Tree of Life, um, the who's who of it the, of the whole thing. They 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 play that up so that you know that they're they're winking at you, saying we know something, and you're what you're seeing here. You know, I I really think that. I'm not sure what Cameron's intention is, but I do believe that the adversary has a goal to make you want to curse God and die. He wants to f up. You know, can we? We're going to get a explicit an explicit warning here on the podcast because I just said the word f up. He wants to uh, destroy or or spin the minds of people, turn uh, tangle them up so much that they think good is evil and evil is good. You don't, you know, when we've when we've talked about that in in church settings, I think when, when we've when we've read the Isaiah stuff and said, well, evil is good, good is evil. I feel like there's most of us are thinking, well, they know they're evil. On some level, they know they're bad. They know they're degenerate. They just want to quote sin. Right. But eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, they just want to eat, drink, and be merry. And, and but no, you can't. You have to have a genuine hatred of the other side in order to to have a war going on like this. And so I think the goal is to uh, consciously, on a conscious level, people. Most Americans at that point in time, especially in 2009, I mean, when he was developing the show, it would have been 2007 and 8. The patriotism was very strong. You know, the the whole uh, apathy or uh, aversion to the the war, I think, finally got real momentum during the Barack Obama presidency when he didn't follow through on his promises to wrap that up, you know. Yeah, and there was a big turn on that in the 2004 election when John Kerry ran on an anti-war uh, uh, platform, and the and the script had kind of flipped, right? All of these. Remember, he said, "I, I supported the war before I was against it." Yeah, and but, but between he like, lost big between 2001, you know, right after 9/11, and 2004, though, the patriotism was at an all-time high, pro-war, pro-America. In some ways, the country was fairly united in that regard, but then, of mm-hmm. course, politics crept in, and and I'm not saying that they, that that unification was a good thing in that sense. Like that, in those days, I was a yeah, let's go kick their butts, like they they attacked us. But in the back of my mind, something was going. Hold on a second. Let's look at this a little closer. Yeah, it took me a long time to wake up to that, but I think that the <clears throat> thank you, Ron Paul. Yeah, thank you, Ron Paul. But e- even at 2008, I don't think I understood. I didn't understand it right. until after the uh, the great economic crisis right. of 2008, when I saw a- saw that we didn't stick to our principles in any way, shape, or form. Right. That were the ones that were supposed to be associated with the side I was on 
where you let uh, the free market work itself out. Right. And and we were the reason we were involved in the wars was to protect those types of principles and then and then we didn't. But what I'm saying is I think when he was developing it he may have he may have been trying I, the, the question is what was Cameron thinking? He may have been trying to create support for the the non-war side and and paint the uh, Americans as this which uh, as he paints the corporate in- influence. Which you can do in I think in a in a better way. I think a good example of that is Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves is kind of the same plot. Yeah. Where you have the, the, the American soldier goes off to the wilderness and he... Be- goes native. Yeah, he goes native, right? They even say in the movie, oh, you've gone Indian or something like well, that. They, and, they, they accuse Jake Sully of that. You've gone native. He's right. gone native. You know, he's- and and the, the, again, Dances with Wolves, which is... Uh, who did that? It was that... Um, I'll look it up. Keep was that talking. Robert Zemeckis? I can't remember now. Kevin Costner obviously is the lead. Uh, Dances with Wolves, you get a big backstory and development of the main character, John Dunbar. And you under- directed by Kevin Costner, written by Michael Blake. Okay, Kevin Costner. So you 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 understand where that you understand the the development and the progress or the journey of John Dunbar and how he. Remember, the, the movie begins with him trying to commit suicide by riding his horse out into the no-man's land of the Union and, uh, uh, what was the, what was the... The Confederacy? Confederacy. <laughs> the Union and Confederate armies. Remember, they're lined up, and he runs out there, and he's got his, his arms wide open on a horse, just saying, shoot me, right? And so they all start shooting. And he becomes a hero. And they all miss. Well, remember, these are muskets, right? Muzzle loader muskets. Yeah. They, all, they all unload and miss, and they miss him. And actually, I they, think they actually hit him a few times, but they don't kill him. And in the process, they're all distracted. And then the army, the Union army attacks and turns the tide of that battle. And he's, he's heralded as a hero, and his reward is a new post. Out in the West, right? Yeah. And so he shows up. And it's abandoned, mm-hmm. and it's in disarray. And he, you know, he rebuilds it, and, and along the way, he makes friends with a tribe of, I believe, Sioux Indians, and ends up kind of going native. And at the end of the movie, the army goes out to the post. The, it's post-war now. The army's bored. They turn their attention to to the native tribes. And again, the 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 native or the the, the army. Is portrayed very barbaric and bloodthirsty and and redneck and mm-hmm. and maybe they were, but I think there it could have been. What we don't have in that film is the development of their side of the story. Whether they're whether, the caricature, whether you're supposed yeah. to agree or you know root for them or not, you can still have that that end of the story be developed. So they just come and kind of come in and, and swoop in and and just commit unprovoked atrocities. Now, there was some of that, but there was also provoking as well. The, the Avatar, especially Avatar, has this idea, pro- pushes this idea that these primitive native tribes are 
white as snow. No, no sin whatsoever, no conflict. They live in peace and harmony. And you can't tell me that there would be this valuable tree of life and these other avatar tribes wouldn't war and fight over that. Well, the Native Americans were warring. They were very brutal. They, yeah. were, they were very territorial. Their warfare was, was bloody and you know, hand-to-hand. There was mistreatment of what we today would call you know, mistreatment of women and children. There was slavery. There was all kinds of stuff associated with early humanity. Es- I mean, essentially, <laughs> these directors have romanticized that type of right. civilization, which it, it, it worked for the natives for a long time until the white man came, and then things changed, and the situation has evolved to what it is today. It right. doesn't doesn't make either side right or wrong. It, it just right. demonstrates how they handled the conditions that they were dealt. Right, and there's no doubt that the United States military, if we narrow our conversation to the United States, the United States military post post Civil War and maybe even pre Civil War did some bad things out in the West or mm-hmm. the Southeast to well, native I, tribes. I think like that's any, a fact. With any conflict, you would have to boil it down or or dial it down, zero in on the individuals involved, and I right. think that's what gives a lot of the war genre its allure is that there are so many personal stories that you can dive into and you can talk about the heroes, the reluctant heroes, the, the, the villains, you know, the, the, the psychopaths or whatever. You've got all of those types caught in any sort of a conflict. And with uh, situations like the Gulf War, the Civil War, the World War II, World War I, whatever, we have, we have evidence of who these people are. And so there's a lot of material to go back and and build a, a right. story, then you throw, say, say you take some sort of a uh, tricky story like Saving Private Ryan and you put that, couple that with a bunch of really good character development, you've got a great show you know, right. and, and a bazillion dollars to make the effects there's really a, good. There's a, great, there's a great example of this kind of going native story. Uh, I've mentioned this series before. It's Guthrie's Big Sky Trilogy, written in like the 40s or 50s, 1940s or 50s. We have to specify nowadays. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, it's stories that, the, the first book is, uh, kind of uh, highlights the, the mountain man movement. And then you have the westward movement. And the third book, the last book, is a collision of all of these different worlds and interests. And you have a white man who marries a native and they have a kid right and the kid grows up and he's caught between both worlds he's half native you know half blackfoot <coughs> half white and he speaks both languages and so he gets a job as an interpreter in the army and the 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 i guess spoiler alert <laughs> The the book ends with the United States Army sweeping through a, a winter camp and just slaughtering everybody. But you understand because you, you get some of the backstory of why they do it. And it really, it's a perfect, in my opinion, example of the tragedy of the westward movement. 
because basically they ro- they roll through there on a little bit of bloodlust, yes, but also a misunderstanding. And so there's at least backstory and nuance and development. It's not just, we're going to kill because we like to kill. Yeah, the, the proximity of the two different uh, peoples right. created conflict. And so, and those stories and it became, exist. It went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the one that had the most power wiped the other guys out. Right. And that story, that history exists in every, every civilization on earth. From, from big civilizations like empires to small warring tribes or families and conflicts. And they can be really good stories because it's, it's so much human nature and, and human drama mm-hmm. unfolds in those. Like you, like you pointed out, even on a personal level where you have stories like Saving Private Ryan, which is a s- smaller story inside of a bigger event. But see, I just I wonder about Cameron's motivations in, no, it, in Avatar it, because uh, just to, to to crystallize the thought, when I'm talking about these two different these two different races, these two different civilizations that that collide, you're right. The it's good to it's good to center the discussion on the timing relative to the Gulf War because yeah, that that is analogous. There there is a very very much a link between you know Western corporate america coming in and destroying a native people for oil for oil was the the purported right reason that the other side was um putting forth and i would argue i don't know that it's for oil it looks a lot like it's for military industrial complex reasons like we just want to have a war to have a war yeah we got to spend a lot of money we're it was the grand chessboard to me it was more like we're 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 hemming in iran and uh russia and and the east here Uh, so i i don't know that it's just for oil well they can get oil from a wide variety of countries we can get it right here at home (laughs) if they want it right Mm -hmm. so so i think this has more to do with world domination but uh, the question is, is Cameron trying to preach and persuade everybody away from, you know, is he expecting that a huge number of people are going to wake up or is he and join him and say, oh, you're right. We're a bunch of I mean, it's such a caricature is right. what's, what's he really expecting? Is he saying, yeah, all of these rednecks in the south and west or whatever, they're going to see this and they're going to be convinced that it's bad to go to war in in uh, the Middle East. I don't know that that's his motivation. Maybe it right, is. Right. I, I think it's more nuanced than that. Or is is it him getting them to embrace that we're those guys? It's like you, you're such an idiot. We're of course that's us, but we're we're not like that. We're we're way better than the the Earthlings that are just only after unobtainium. I mean, they they attacked us on nine eleven. You know and. The, so, right. so does it galvanize the two sides? Does it does it uh, inf- reinforce and strengthen people's positions so that they become committed, even more committed to whatever ideas that they've uh, internalized? Right. And and this I think is one of the huge dangers of the Avengers films is that it, you, if you really understand the the level of the inversion and how deliberate they were. And and the types of cosmic stories that and um, happenings that get incorporated into that, everybody that watches that comes away with this Avengers good 
Thanos and his hosts are bad mm-hmm. thing. And it's like, well, we want to be the Avengers. And, and side effects of that are, like you said, the humans are helpless. We need people to protect us. Earth government, good. We need a global government, you know, whatever, to protect us from the Earth changing or being burned or being destroyed or whatever. And who wouldn't right. want to protect their their territory? So, so that becomes ingrained, ingrained consciously and subconsciously. And then you... Um, when you're confronted with the true God, as uh, I, I think the Job experience is what plays out. It's like, well, things aren't working out the way I want, and I don't understand it. Satan has sufficiently corrupted my mind, and therefore I will curse God and die. That's what the the Job's uh, friends, I guess we'll call him, his comrades, the, mm-hmm. the, his associates, we're basically telling him, telling him, well, this, if God's doing this to you, why don't you just curse God and die? And there's, it's a loaded statement. I mean, the, the problem there is it's succumbing to the, the goals of the adversary. And in, in the story of Job, which, by the way, I believe Job is the oldest book in the book, in the Old Testament. It's not Genesis. This is, Job is a very ancient text. And, it's not, um, I'm not trying to say that, I'm not trying to say anything more than that the, that the text itself is older than the copies we have of Genesis, and it's, and it's always been considered a legendary text, okay? So it's very archetypal, very much a, a symbolic story. And in it, you see, jo- you see the devil talking to God, right? They have a conversation. So you have two gods, essentially, and, and it's not God the the good god that that perpetrates the evil against job it's the bad god right the one god allows it but only to test the loyalty of job but in the end it's it's satan who's the one who's putting all this uh evil on job and then the whole intention from his associates is to try to get job to place the blame for evil on the Father God, curse God, and then die, succumb to the the ultimate goal of the adversary, which is just death. So, you see what I'm saying here? It's like, that. it's a mind game. This whole thing is about you archetypally blaming the wrong deity for your predicament here in the fallen world. Which is, is why, which is why the, the, and I'm going to go there to the Genesis story, and if I haven't already, <laughs> this is why the Jews, when they corrupted their religion, had to saddle Eve with the fall. They had to say, well, she took the fruit, and it's it's the woman's fault that we f- fell, when in reality, the more ancient narratives describe, and, and I've gone through this I, in the Cosmology podcast. If I didn't go through it elsewhere, I, I went through it in the Cosmology podcast, so it was number 92. In, uh, it wasn't a woman. It wasn't because God gave Adam and Eve an, un, an unsolvable conundrum, a, an unfollowable commandment. He, it's evil beings that are evil. That's why there's evil. That's why there's death. That's why there's destruction. It's because they're evil and they rebelled against God. They're the ones. But the story gets messed up because the blame has to be placed elsewhere. Is Well, at least Satan wants the blame to be placed elsewhere. Is Elon Musk Thanos? Is he the heel? 
Is that what you're asking? The kayfabe <clears throat> heel? I'm, heel? No, I don't think he's the heel. I think he's... I'm wondering if he's the false savior, or the false god. Is he this... We've talked about this, right? We've talked about... <clears throat> We wondered if maybe Trump would be this this role, like Trump would win re-election. Well, I don't know if un- I'd call... Okay, so you confused me because you said, is he Thanos? Well, I see Thanos as an intentional deception, but you're talking well, about Musk as a false savior, because Thanos well, never plays the role of savior he, or false savior. He doesn't, but he's an inverted savior. Yeah, I think that's different than, say, if Trump was going to come <clears throat> in and be... And, and people were going to say, hey, he's going to save us. right. So I, yeah, I guess maybe Thanos isn't the right, right analogy, <clears throat> but I, but I wonder a if false he, Christ, yeah, possibly. I'm wondering if he is, and I don't know if it's being set up this way or it's just sort of unfolding this way. But he's kind of presenting him himself as this, this. Uh, this revealer, this, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for free speech. We must win. He's, he's, he's saying words that start to sound very... Mm-hmm. But you're uh, talking about a savior type, right? Somebody that's going to come in and save us. Because right. there, there's two aspects to false Christs or false anointed ones that I want to point out. And generally, well, I don't know what... I think most people would gravitate towards this... The, the, when they think of false Christ, they would think of this first idea, which is that it's somebody who claims they're going to save you or deliver you from the difficulties you're experiencing. Right. But the second aspect of a false Christ is someone who claims dominion, rightful dominion in the world, but they don't actually deserve it. They are not Christ. So you have in Musk the possibility of both, whereas, and in Donald Trump possibly, but Musk even more so because he's the richest man in the world. You know, he has real dominion or, or per, at least perceived real dominion. <laughs> Can I right. say that? Perceived real dominion. There's a there's a <laughs> t-shirt for you. I play the radio. Y- you y- y- conceivably he could be the king of the world. Right. And he could also save us. So he could have both of those. And that's where it gets interesting with the people who are most upset about what he's doing with Twitter are the people who had free reign over Twitter or on Twitter previously. You know, primarily, it's very interesting. So the Twitter files have revealed <clears throat> they're naming names in some cases. And there's a name of a guy named Roth is Yoel Roth, I think is his name. He's a nobody, right? Nobody ever heard of that name uh, until recently. And he was the chief of Twitter's safety and security. Basically, he was the censorship officer. He had dominion over the public square. Who got to <laughs> whose tweets lived and died. And these Twitter files reveal them kind of going back and forth with staff members like, yeah, let's put a warning on that one or let's kill that one or we need to get rid of this guy and this guy. And he had a lot of power, a lot of power and influence. And he's also uh, a degenerate. <laughs> I could say that because his, it's all been revealed. And, and the reason I'm bringing him up, him up is that there was this, this tremendous power in this one guy. And he was a Marxist, leftist, you know, your typical statist, lefty professor type. And 
it, those types of and and he he admits in writing, you know, they have the Slack files or a lot of what are the Twitter files. Slack is a communication program. A lot of internal company teams will use it. It's a way like if you were on a development team with 20 people, you could get on that that team Slack and talk about your projects. Hey, how's it going with this? I need this file. Can you send, you know, easier than email, quicker. Anyway, he admits in that that he's often Keep talking, I'm going to help myself to some of this jerky. He is often meeting with the FBI and the NSA and and other security agencies. Well, about the election. Right. And and let's let's be clear here. If you think that some Twitter lackey is the guy in charge in a meeting with the FBI or other intelligence community people, you're severely mistaken. He's in there being told what to do. Mm. He is what they call a patsy. (laughs) And it's really interesting because that's the real, to me, that's the real story here. It isn't that Twitter was full of leftists. Of course it was. It's based in San Francisco. It's, of course it was. It wasn't that they're biased. Of course they were. It wasn't that they're shadow banning. Of course they were. It's that they were, they were highly controlled, if not completely controlled, by the United States government. If they weren't controlled, they were coordinating directly with them. That is, which the is story. where the which is where the First Amendment comes into play. It's right. like, that's illegal. That right there. You can argue argue the corporations have freedom to do whatever they want, but collusion with the government makes it a, a absolute one hundred percent blatant, brazen First Amendment thing. Right. And so now you have Elon Musk is bringing that to light, which is very interesting because, again, who, what, why, why now? Mm-hmm. Because when he, when he started making noises about buying Twitter, people had to know, people in the know had to know that this was a likely outcome, that he would take over the company, his quote-unquote hostile takeover, and that he would make all of this public. That could have been stopped. There might have been some shady ways to stop it, but it could have been stopped, and it almost was. But Musk went through with the deal, or somebody, <laughs> who knows, really. And so now the, the, the people that are most upset are people that are uh, either directly or indirectly attached to the intelligence community. Let's remember that the former, one of the top attorneys, lawyers at the FBI went to work where? Twitter. This is James Baker. James Baker. Not James Baker, the former Secretary of State. Right. Different James Baker. Right. There was some confusion about that on Twitter. (laughs) So this guy is a a top lawyer at the FBI. Then he goes to work. Are they related at all? I don't think so. Then he goes to work at Twitter. Like and and you have that revolving door, right? The the intelligence community and the press. There's a revolving door. Former CIA heads are now, you know, talking heads on networks and mm-hmm. you have, you know, and so I guess what I'm getting at is that there's this obvious obvious corruption, collusion 
and efforts by the intelligence agencies and other federal government agencies to manipulate the American people into believing certain things, into preventing them from seeing certain things. And now Elon Musk is bringing it all to light. The question is why? Yeah, why? It's always a question, right? Why? Why is this, why is this being allowed to happen? Because I, it, it's kind of like Trump. I don't think Trump was this rabble-rousing, you know, drain-the-swamp guy. I think he maybe thought he is, but he didn't drain anything. But they went to a lot of effort, as, we've, <laughs> as the Twitter files further reveal and confirm, the same people that control Twitter went to a lot of effort to make Trump into this bad guy. And now Elon Musk is filling that role. He's the new, he is the new heel or the new villain of the left, of the statists, not just the left. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that just has my mind, uh, my wheels turning a little bit. Oftentimes, by the way, when my wheels turn, they just spin in place. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. But I find it very interesting though cuz he's triggering he's triggering people more than Donald Trump even did. It's like TDS is becoming EDS. And and Elon derangement <laughs> syndrome. And and Elon Musk is doing this with this flippant uh, like my pronouns are. Yeah, my pronouns are. That's a prosecute rip. It. That's Fauci. a rip at two people at the, or two movements at the same time. He's using phrases like "woke mind virus." He's because he's a listener, but yes, of course he's very active on Twitter and engaging with people. And uh, you know, James Brennan came to Fauci's defense. He's the see the current CIA head. No former. Russia Gate Brennan, right? I think that, or am I thinking of somebody else? But he come, he came to Fauci's defense, and and Musk chimes in, and and you know, and they have this dialogue. It's all very interesting. It's all taking place on Twitter, which is kind of a tempest in a teapot in a way. But it's very. It's also canary. By the way, it's John Brennan. John Brennan. It's also very. Um, you know, so I said tempest in a teapot. Teapot. Here's another little phrase uh, to describe it. It's a canary in a coal mine. We're learning a little bit about the 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 poison that the federal government is, you know, injecting into the veins of American conversation, American dialogue, our our ability to have dialogue. I thought you were that, talking about the vaccine for a minute, but keep going. Well, that's just poison being pumped into people's bodies. Another poison. Veins of Americans. A literal godsend. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I think it's just very interesting. Like and 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 who, you know, why 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 is Elon Musk doing this? Is he really one of the good guys or is there some longer game at play here? Well, I think he's I don't think he's one of the good guys, and you've already known that. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, when they did the second Twitter file release, they talked about shadow banning. There was like this big, hey, by the way, we've been shadow banning. And like you said, everybody's like, yeah, we knew you've been shadow banning. Blah, 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 blah. Tell us something we don't know. But but there are all, definitely those of us that uh, 
have been paying attention to this in great detail find ourselves in a we we've been in a little bit of a a minority i think because you have a you have a wide spectrum of varying levels of understanding of of people out there right and so i think there's a segment of what we might call the middle or regular people who have uh not really wanted to commit they 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 suspect that there's a problem in American media and government. They don't trust the media really, but it's like, yeah, but how how bad could it really be? And stuff like the Twitter revelations almost f- forces them to to take a position like, okay, yeah, it is clearly rigged. Everything's clearly rigged. You know what? I'm going to go so far as to say because of this, yeah, I have to believe the, the election was rigged or I have to believe this, but I don't have to believe JFK was assassinated by LBJ and I don't have to believe that uh, the Bush administration was behind 9/11. There's always these stop, uh, right? These stop points, right? The, right? These catch points where you have to, you can pause and you can you can accept you can accept this set of conspiracies as reality. These these theories actually turn out to be true, but I don't have to believe in the shape shifting lizard men overlords because <laughs> I don't you know that's or or that we did. I still can believe we landed on the moon, but I don't have to believe. Um, the shape-shifting lizard man overloads or what? You know what I mean? It's like, well, it's, there, there's these there's these boundaries in our minds that we right, and we probably we allow all, ourselves to go. We through. all have those, like, whether and, and and whether it's because we we don't want to think of that our heroes are corrupt or or whatever. But yeah, I'm just saying, the more obvious it becomes that Twitter is doing this, the more these the the <clears throat> the folks that aren't fully committed to the leftist Marxist ideology the wokeism there those those people out there they have to go well you know what yeah alex jones was right about this or whatever well what i think a lot of people are probably saying is well yeah it happened with twitter but it hasn't happened with nbc or cbs or cnn or fox well, news that's or msnbc a, i think that's a dwindling i think that's a dwindling position because right. if it's happened to well, twitter it's happened to everybody well then it, it but it hasn't happened to the universities or the hospitals or the big Again, technology companies. I think, that's, I think in light of everything that's going on, that's a, a dwindling percentage of the population. Well, it hasn't happened with the churches. <laughs> okay. What I think, the mo- the, one of the most <laughs> alarming points that I ran across was a Zero Hedge article on the second Twitter files release where they, where they admitted to shadow banning. I think it was Barry Weiss Mm -hmm. that was reporting on that. And zero hedge had their, their big, um, you know, they copied in the whole tweet thread and then they had a bunch of other response tweets. And at the very end, they had an Elon Musk tweet and I don't have that in front of me, but he basically said, yes, we've been shadow banning. And if you were shadow banned, you need to, um, if you'd like to be, if you'd like to appeal that, contact us and we will unshadow ban you. So, or or we'll consider it, right? We'll consider your appeal. And what I what I inferred from that is that because that's the that's the thing that uh, they're they're trying to set up the Overton window or the lines here. It's like is like. Elon Musk's job in purchasing Twitter to normalize the idea that it's okay to shadow ban. Because we've we've all known it, we've suspected it, and, and especially if you've been involved in the search engine optimization discussion at all for the last 
15 year, 15 or 20 years, it's always been a big deal to try and figure out how to get the Google algorithm, which is the main monopolistic um, search engine out there. It's 90% of searches are performed through Google's algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. That's the big, big daddy, the big question. And, and people have long suspected that Google was not just algorithmically, but intentionally person to person, like the great firewall of China, manipulating their algorithm either for or against certain ideas or groups or, or individuals or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So that ha- that's been very clear for uh, five or six years, f- maybe four or five years, especially when um, people like Alex Jones, you know, bigger, bigger pundits on, on what we would call the conservative right or whatever, when they started to realize they, their tr- search traffic was dwindling dramatically, it became obvious that Google was shadow banning. So people knew that it was happening on Twitter. They would they would complain, hey, I just lost half of my followers or I lost all of my followers or this tweet isn't being seen by anybody. They known this was going on. But the the point is, how is that moral? Is it, if someone is able to, um, if somebody comes to your crowdsourced application invests in it and then you change the rules on it for them only right because you don't like what they bring to the to the crowd when you've clearly decided you wanted a crowdsourced application based on you know they contributed to your success that's my point and and this this is a a conundrum because we've never really had in in the history that we know we haven't had situations like this where we've had to handle uh, that kind of a uh, of an issue because Google has to admit that they are only they only exist because of the crowd they only exist because of the people that feed their algorithm and so for Musk to admit that the shadow banning is going on and then say here's how you can appeal rather than saying you know what shadow banning is immoral right we're gonna we're gonna just immediately take all of these. Uh, throttle points, or uh, is throttle the right word? These choke points away, mm-hmm. where, where we, where we're, um, well, yes, yeah, where, where we're strangling your your ability to be heard, especially when you consider that probably the overwhelming majority of the shadow bands were politically motivated. They weren't. Someone's out there, like just. Like threatening murders or whatever. That's well. That's, that's kind so, of the. But it's so rare. Yeah, that's so rare. Yeah, that's that's kind of the the less emphasized part of the of what's going on with the Twitter files revelations is that it's very clear they're not they're not shouting it as much as they're trying to show you the government collusion and that right. that it was intentional. But it's very clear that it was one sided against against a certain ideology against people on the right and against. You, they, they've sort of couched it as Republican Democrat, but what it really was was truth versus statist propaganda. Right. They they they're Still about is. maybe they're about to cross into that territory when they start to talk about Dr. Fauci, because the coronavirus right. thing was not a left versus right issue. That's what that's what's so significant about coronavirus. It was about reality versus unreality, and Donald Trump has lost a ton of support on the right because he refuses to distance himself from the vaccine thing. And so right. many people are dying suddenly. Well, and you know? he was weak on the, on the lockdowns and shutdowns. 
in March, April, May 2020. He kind of tried, but ultimately those are on him as well. But he didn't show the leadership that those of us on Team Reality would have wanted to right. have seen. Well, nobody did, really. It, 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 one interesting thing is that we, we mentioned him last week, Jay Batakaria. Hope I'm saying that right. One of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration was was singled out in the Twitter files as someone who was shadow banned. He's always been a team reality person. He's he's a very common sense, very uh, well respected prior Ep- to the epidemiologist. pandemic. Right, like like really, you know, he's one of the guys that you would classify as an expert. And when he, He's a Stanford he, professor, right? He didn't go, yeah. He didn't go along with this stuff. He was immediately blacklisted. He was shadow banned on Twitter when he joined. Uh, in fact, they singled him out. The Twitter de- degenerates singled him out to shut him down. They didn't want to outright ban him. But he, Jay, said, I just spent a few days at Twitter headquarters with Elon Musk, which I thought was interesting. Why bring him in? And uh, I think that it, given, you know, Musk's uh, tendency to troll slash, per, you know, uh, uh, telegraph his next moves. And at the same time, Musk is saying, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. I think that's what's coming next. So, so he's probably had a heart to heart with uh, Jay there, JB. Let's call mm-hmm. him JB. Mm-hmm. And uh, or is it possible? Yeah, is it possible Musk is not part of a, a cabal, part of a it, it, not a not a deliberate member of a of a star chamber type of a cabal playing a role? Is that is that what we're saying here? Maybe he maybe he did have a meeting with um, JB and has changed his mind. And now he says, "My pronouns are blah 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 it's blah very, blah." Uh, it's very. Is he, is he awakening? You did pose. You did posit that question. Is, is it possible for a billionaire, richest man in the world, to awaken, to repent, to change his heart and mind? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, mm. he's an interesting. I wouldn't. I wouldn't normally put case. that out as one of the options there. Right. It's. It's. It is unlikely, but. It's funny that he's been tweeting this idea that, hey, I'm not suicidal. I'm worried, right. worried about my safety. But he's also a very skilled troll. And he might just be playing a game and, and like he's kind of alluded to, setting up something far more sinister. We talked about this in, in predictions where, you know, if, if Trump wins re-election, Trump then sets up the, the, the trap or the mechanisms for the final demise. And then... It gets blamed on the right. Yeah, we have definitely explored that mm-hmm. idea. And I think that this pendulum idea is a super important thing for everybody to keep in the back of their minds. This uh, oligarchy would love to swing the pendulum back to the conservative right, go to war, you know, and have a, a dystopia right. that, w- that appeared to be run by the the right wing rather than the left wing. They don't care which wing it is. They want, right. they it's, just want a dystopia. It's just power and, and, and totalitarianism. So I, I would say this on Musk, on Elon Musk, while he's saying and doing the, the good things, the right things, I guess, take it for what it's worth. But watch carefully for little hints and cracks and red flags. Cause though they will turn up eventually if he is still playing for the other side, the wrong side. 
Oh, it'll become clearer right when you can't, when when the majority of people can't turn around, when they're fully committed. Right. It will become very clear that you've made a deal with the devil. Well, and he's going to probably, probably come to a point where he will have to decide and choose between his his influence and his wealth, and, um, and playing along with the with the statists. And so right now they might just be using him as another, he might just be another patsy. The government, the IC, whoever might have said, hey, what we're doing with Twitter and Facebook and Google is good, it's fine, uh, but it's ultimately uh, uh, small. You know, it's ultimately just a beta test. Let's go live with this. Let's ramp it up. <clears throat> we need total control over Twitter, and we're going to do it this way with a, a person that makes it look like Twitter is a free <clears throat> Twitter is a free platform again. I don't know, right? That's what we do here at the Mind Virus. We speculate, we speculate endlessly, <laughs> endless speculation. So there's definitely a game being played. It's just what side is who who are the players, right? Yeah, I'm very reluctant to say that Musk is on the good side here. I think Musk is in it for Musk, but Probably you're right, but if that's the case, he's very good at playing that role uh, of the of the awakening billionaire discovering that all is not uh, you know that he it's like he's almost discovering the existence of the matrix, right? <clears throat> Which there's no way that he's just barely discovering it. Well, having that kind of money, having that kind of access to information, no way. Yes and no. I mean, it might have been that no he was way. so... No way, You're probably right, again, but or maybe he's just waking up to the idea that the Matrix is, Matrix is corrupt, is corrupting us all, and he... I, I mean, ultimately, he's part human, at least, right? I think he's maybe more alien than human, but... <laughs> I don't know. Anybody can have that awakening. I'm skeptical too. I, I, I am. I just this, the, we're, we've got so many shades of gray. So many, you know. Ev- they talk about the lesser of two evils, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the argument that the lesser of two evils is still evil, right? And then if you've seen Master and Commander, you've got to talk about the lesser of two weevils. Yeah, I was just thinking about That's that. That's hilarious. That's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good show. Um. Anyway, like you're just looking at this headline here on Zero Hedge. Rand Paul says this, quote, Republicans are not perfect, period. But they are not pushing your child to have surgery to remove their genitalia. <laughs> it's like, so, so that's, is that part of That's the, the standard? See, is that the standard? Yeah, because it's so bizarre on the left there that, that his statement that Republicans are not perfect could be re- revised to be, you know what? Republicans are going to hell in a dramatic well, fashion. Yeah, but, but see, they're not pushing <clears throat> your child to have surgery to mo- remove their genitalia. So join the Republicans. But that's what, the problem with the pendulum thing. And what are the pu- Republicans pushing right now? It's nothing. Except well, the Republican more Party is in massive disarray. More statism. And it was never. It was never. Uh, you know a silver bullet or a, or a savior for us. The Republican Party was never going to save us. Right. This two-party thing. It's always uh, I think Hugh Nibley talked about this. You know, you're always going to be presented with two bad choices or three bad choices or whatever. 
we had that during the Gulf War or right after 9-11. It was either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. Right. What if I don't like that? I, any of those ideas? <laughs> then you're a terrorist. Well, then you're a terrorist. Yeah. See, that's, that's and, how and, they get <clears throat> you in this world. Yeah. Nowadays, you either wear a mask or you're a terrorist or you either vote for Joe Biden or you're a terrorist. That's or why we, you, con- we would consider this place hell. If you work opinion. out and stay in shape, you're a terrorist. <laughs> right. If you say, let's go, Brandon, you're a terrorist. Domestic terrorist. Right. Yeah, it's um, th- there's definitely games being played. It's just who who are the teams? And, and I want to like Rand the, Paul. Let me players. say that. I, I want to like the guy. I think Rand Paul means well. I, th- I think, but I think ultimately he's ineffective because, you know, he, he had two or three sessions grilling Dr. Fauci, right? Anthony Fauci. And probably Anthony Mangala Fauci. Anthony Fauci probably perjured himself in those, in, in those hearings. And nothing, nothing, nothing will be done. In fact, Anthony Fauci has an op ed. In the New York Times right now, a big farewell piece. You know? mm. What I want other scientists to understand as I retire and ride off into the sunset as the greatest man ever. <laughs> and it's like in the midst of all that's going on, they have the audacity to have him lecture us on his way out. And he's up there on TV with Jill Biden saying, You still got to get your boosters. It's like it's 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 beyond absurd. You couldn't have a movie painting a dystopia uh, dumber than ours. People in the audience would go, "That's stupid." It's like Idiocracy. <laughs> the movie Idiocracy is so over the top. That's what makes it work. And everybody watches it and goes, Man, "That's so stupid." Look how stupid those people are. And then we, you know, we stop watching the movie. The movie ends, and how many people are? introspective about it even though it's an absurd comedy right there's a subtext to it brondo it's what plants crave (laughs) yeah it's what plants crave and and yet the introspection would say well what are we on that path are we on that trajectory and or hunger games like this right now we're this mishmash of absurdity and dystopia and it's on one hand, it's kind of entertaining and like crazy to see like the CIA, the former director of the CIA, who was largely responsible for the Russia Gate lies, going on Twitter to defend Anthony Fauci as a man of honor and honesty. It's like, really? You, you, really? But then you remember that these people have pr- tremendous power and influence over our everyday lives. They took away our everyday life we can't forget that they took it away at the drop of a hat snap of a finger so they snapped their fingers and half of us died so to speak <laughs> not literally not literally although a lot of people are dying i'm uh, talking about but our lives were ended as we know it when they snapped their fingers in spring 2020 everything changed forever the lockdowns the the covid response as we've pointed out changed everything forever and now we're living in that post change world where they know that they have ultimate influence over all of us or many of us enough of us and uh 
we have to decide as individuals if we're going to allow them to have that influence. And that means we have to figure out what this game, what the rules are to this game. And then how to, we have to learn to play the game. You can't just say, we can't go John Galt. There's no Galt Gulch. That does not, it's not possible. Why not? Because, because the earth is, is. I know there's no Galt Gulch, but why do we have to play the game? What do you mean we have to play the game? What are you trying to say here? Uh, We've got to get involved in the politics. No, what I'm trying to say is you've got to pay it. You can't, it's no, you can no longer just ignorantly go about your life. Oh, you mean, you mean that you, if you're not paying attention, you're going to be forced into a choice and they will force you into the choice they want via crisis. You're going to, if you're not paying attention, you're going to walk, unknowingly walk right into your own prison, maybe literally. Uh, So how do you play the game? Well, you've got to recognize that the game exists. You've got to recognize that who the, who the major players are. Okay, I kind of misunderstood. I thought you were kind of headed towards more of a political activist no, thing. No, like it's, if you want... You know, what, you're, look, what you're saying is you need to go through life with your eyes open and you need to wake up. Otherwise, you will become a slave right. or or destroyed by right. by not being awake. And you, I think I would totally agree yeah, with if you, that. If you, have the, if you feel compelled to run for your school board or local office or something, sure, fine. That's That's what you want to do. Do it. But... Still do, do it with your eyes open to the reality of this awful situation. Because the secret combination has gotten above us. The Twitter files are helping to reveal that and, or confirm what it's we like, suspected. It's like painfully slow. It's like, of course, of course, somebody do Google now. You know, it's like, well, come and, on. And what I see is a lot of, I see on Twitter, and again, I, I worry that all of this drama is just unfolding in the closed environment of Twitter. Like if we go knock on doors around the community, how many people are paying attention to this? Well, it's certainly been blacked out by corporate media. Right. Yeah. Right. This is like, it's like, oh, Twitter, what? Did they, uh, did they just get sold or? Well, I don't waste they, my time with that. Are they some trouble? I don't waste my time with that, which is, is, a, is probably better, right? Except that, and I'm not telling you to go get on Twitter. I'm just telling you to recognize that what 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 Twitter what the Twitter files are revealing is that the secret combination is above us and they're controlling everything that you see in here. Everything you see in here in movies, in television, in the local news, the national news is almost all of it is being controlled and manipulated to make you think certain things. So KSL, let's read headlines on KSL just for kicks. The local communist rag. Right. High-tech, healthy homes. Have you ever seen iRobot where the house tries to destroy him? <laughs> okay, that's the big headline. Um, so they associate high-tech with being healthy. Both, both, I don't know, I'm not going to read it. Latest news and features. Governor Cox bans TikTok on all state-owned devices. Wait, the state owns devices? We, we got a, a story on Utah State hoops. Two killed in a wrong way crash. NFL story. St. George man sentenced to four months in jail. The U.S. working on next steps to secure the release of Waylon from Russia. Oh, really? NASA or Orion capsule safely well, back. They had a step to release Wayland from Russia. They chose not to release him. They have so much non-news. 
Yeah. It's, it's like not, it's like a tabloid. Well, it is. KSL, the local communist rag, has become just oh. clickbait. Hospitalization signal rising COVID-19 risk for U.S. seniors. See, who's even listening to this anymore? Right. I uh, I attended a different uh, LDS congregation than I normally do uh, yesterday. Is that allowed? It was farther t- north, closer to the center of the heart of darkness. Did you notify your leadership of this and, uh, aberration, this aberrant, aberrant behavior? There were a few more masks than no- than I'm no- closer closer to the center of power. Yeah, closer to the heart of darkness. Yeah, that's what you called it twice. Yeah, well, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean the political heart Whatever. of darkness. I mean, that's where. Tell us how you. Uh, tell the, us how the, you really the, feel. The seat, tell tell the, us how you really the, feel, Bobby Flood. The seat of power in the state. Let's of put the it main that way. of the main religion. The statists of both main religions. But there was a there was a few more masks than than what I've seen down in uh, other like congregations. Oh, probably ten people. Had them on. Out of which is uh, out, out of thirty, no, 40. out of like probably two, two to three hundred, two to two fifty. The Bobby Flood family didn't take up like what twenty percent of the no. <laughs> but um, no, I just kind of found that interesting. Okay, but that's 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 ten or so. That's ten people wearing them is ten more people than I normally see. How'd the meeting go? Enlightening? Exciting? Sure. Entertaining? Sure, yeah. All of the above? Engaging? <clears throat> Invigorating? So, um, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Um, it was fine. Now you're thinking of how to respond to that. <laughs> well, just tell me the sweet little lies. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. <laughs> Tell me lies. Fleetwood Mac. Oh no, no, you can't discount. Yeah, that's a pretty good album. Fleetwood Mac was was a good band. Oh yeah, they were good. They especially got good when they brought in Stevie Nicks. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. It'll soon be here. Yeah, it will be. It'll be here. Better than before. A few more hours. Because yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Okay, Stevie Nicks. Yeah, Stevie Nicks. Um, she kind of elevated that band. One of, one of my wife's friends says that Stevie Nicks is her spirit animal. Well, Stevie Nicks isn't an animal. <laughs> I just think that's kind of funny. Right. Have you ever looked into spirit animals? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of an interesting subject. What's your spirit animal? Oh, I don't even know. I'm not getting Honey badger? That. The honey badger? What is a honey badger? I hear about honey badgers honey all the badgers time. Honey badgers don't care. Yeah, I get that. Where does that come from? My understanding is that there was a nature show, right? And it showed a honey badger fighting snakes and doing all this tough guy honey badger stuff. And somebody re-dubbed the, the voiceover to be this funny yeah. voiceover. And it was, you know, honey badger don't care. Uh, we could probably find that. That's several years old by now. But I think that it kind of took the internet by storm back in those days when, you know, things did that. <clears throat> And I think that's where it comes from. I think it just comes from the badger is a fe- is a small, cuddly-looking animal, but it's 
very fierce and dangerous and is known to fight off <laughs> oh, that's actually, creatures much bigger than itself. That's exactly what uh, Wikipedia says. The honey badger is a cuddly little creature known to fight off animals bigger... No, that's not exactly how it starts. <clears throat> uh, it says uh, the honey badger is known as the ratel and is a mammal widely distributed in Africa. Apparently, corporations are distributing this uh, badger <laughs> in Africa and the Indian subcontinent. So it's a different market, but... Well, there are, there are plenty of badgers. They may not be honey badgers, but but right here in the great San state Pete of Valley, right right here in the great state of Utah, there's a lot of badgers. I see them frequently. Yeah, uh, the Snow College mascot is the badger. Is it? Badgers everywhere are <clears throat> actually starting a public awareness campaign that they do not want that to be the mascot, badgers? and they'd like to have them change the name of the college also. Badgers is something polytechnic. We don't need no stinking badgers. That is a quote from Weird Al's UHF, which is a parody of, I believe, the something San Andreas, something, a classic movie where the cops or the sheriff says, badges? Badges? Oh, he says badgers. We don't need no stinking badges. I've never seen UHF. It's Weird Al. Weird Al is definitely someone to be reckoned with from the... 80s, early 90s. Well, he just came out with his a biopic about himself, and Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al. Really? And uh, he, I watched a couple interviews with Weird Al, you know, that they do these press tours, you know, with Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and the other Jimmys and stuff. And they said, how accurate... He said, in the, in the movie, you have a romantic relationship with Madonna. How accurate is that to real life? <laughs> okay. And Weird Al, the real... Real Weird Al says, oh, it's not accurate at all. <laughs> Completely fabricated. He says, I think I met Madonna once. <laughs> so this biopic is in and of itself. It's a parody. It's, it's parody. what he does. And it looks to be very good. I haven't seen it yet. I've always been a fan of Weird Al and his, he's just a comedic and musical genius. And, and, and he's taken his gift and done silly stupid things with it and it's fun and he's he's a i think he's just a tremendous energy and i'm glad that he's still creating and being weird and quirky and but uhf is so dumb and it's so good so is it one we're supposed to watch uh i think that everyone should watch uhf if you're in the mood for just to laugh and to to see you know because he he parodies a bunch of stuff in the the movie itself is a parody or a, a, a kind of satire of movies. Like it's it's great. So what's up with Daniel Radcliffe? He's like uh, trying to do everything possible to do not not like super serious. <clears throat> like he's trying to he's trying to not be Harry Potter or something. Uh, maybe I mean, to, uh, he's trying to break out of the typecast. He's probably trying to make money. You know that's. You know, but after Harry Potter, do you think he needs to make money? I he did some strange stuff post Harry Potter, and it was probably just a matter of him. Because remember, I mean, Harry Potter, he was like eleven years old or so when he was cast in that first movie, right? And basically, his entire adolescence was spent making those movies. I can't imagine that he would ever have to work another day in his life. Probably not. And and, but I think he wants to be, be filthy rich. I think he wants to uh, say, hey, you know what? I'm not just a kid who played Harry Potter. I'm actually an actor. I think that's what's, try- what's trying to go on the here. The other 
kids don't seem as as motivated. I think there's been some stuff they've been in, but but I think he wants to establish himself as like I, I'm an actor, and it does appear. I haven't seen a lot of his other stuff. It does appear that he's he got some talent though, and is capable of. What else is he in? The, what did you like that he did that? I've I've not seen much of it. I've just seen little blips here and there. Um, I think he's done some Broadway type stuff as well. And the clips I've seen of the of the Weird Al show, uh, he looks great in them. So I I don't know. He tries to be this villain guy, like he's in um, the Lost City, which was a Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum comedy type of a adventure show. And he plays this, he's played a billionaire type of shorty bad guy a few times. Like he's in one of the Now You See It, or Now You See Me. It's Now You See Me, right? The That magician franchise. Um, sounds right. I think the bottom line, though, is that... Uh, <clears throat> now You See Me. You're a wizard, Harry. Right. And it's kind of like Mark Hamill, right? He... Daniel Radcliffe will yeah, always he's, be he's Harry always Potter. Harry Potter, and and Mark Hamill kind of did the same thing. He's done a lot of off-screen stuff. He's he's probably made more money doing, or at least had more jobs. He's probably made a lot of money from Star Wars, but more jobs doing voiceover stuff for animated shows. He's done a ton of that, but he's always going to be Luke Skywalker. The only you know when he shows up at Comic Con. And people line up to see him. They aren't lining up to see the voice of whatever. They're lining he's, up to see Luke Skywalker. He's got some hilarious voices. Like I, I saw quite, him one time do an impersonation of Harrison Ford, which is really funny. He's really good at the voice acting. Yeah. It's a shame he's a brain dead statist, but he's yeah. really good at the voice acting. It's too bad. I think the definitely people with money end up getting disproportionate amount of uh, mind control applied against them. And look, I, I'm, I say this in all sincerity, like diversity of opinion is great. We, sh- we need to have that. Unless your opinion's contrary to mine, but keep going. <laughs> we need to have diversity of opinion and we need to have, there needs to be dumb opinions. We've all probably had them at one time or another and we need to have a, that ability to express them because that's how you get feedback, right? And and that's how you. It's one way to learn and to grow and to to change. Um, but a lot of these celebrity types, they seem unwilling, and they've proven this with their objection to the the diversification of opinions that is happening on Twitter right now. They seem unwilling to one entertain other thoughts or opinions. But and 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 to want to shut them down, but they they're just uncurious or incurious. Which which form of the word is it? I don't know. They're not, not curious. They're not curious people. They're not interested in learning anything. And one ex, one exception to that in the celebrity world is uh, Rob Schneider. You remember him? Yeah, he was in. Yep. He's in a lot of Adam Sandler's uh, comedies. Uh, Saturday Night Live, funny guy. He's he's become like a, a Mises pupil. Like, really? Yeah. Like, good for him. A, and I think he got that way. I think I I don't know the full story, but I think he just started realizing something's not right in the world, and he started doing his own homework and reading. And and uh, he's a he's a 
an influential voice for like sound economic policy. You know, if, if you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, Mises was an economist, and there's the Mises Institute, pretty good place to go read essays, you know, thicker essays uh, about monetary policy and things like that. Right. Libertarian. Like kind not, of anarcho-capitalist, libertarian. I don't know if I'd call it, you know, you, you don't, you got to go really investigate what libertarianism really well, is. It doesn't mean li- what the mainstream wants to. And it's sort of been a captured term. As. It's been yeah. captured by statists. Yeah. But it's, it's li- the cla- li- liberty-oriented free market right. material. It used to be called classical liberals back in the day. Um, a lot of different umbrellas in there, in that movement, but yeah. Don't take people, or don't hurt people, and don't take their stuff. That's kind of the underlying, or the, the, the you know, the, the do no harm. Yeah. Uh, do principle. do everything you've agreed to do, and don't encroach on other people's persons or their property. Anyway, um, we should probably wrap this up. Do you have anything else to say? Um, for sure, but not right now. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think I'm going to title this episode Sweet Little Lies. Don't you think? <laughs> Don't you think that's a good... Does that mean we've been telling people Sweet Little Lies? Good title. I, there's lies. so much in that song. Just tell me, it, just the way she sings it, right? It's like, people want to hear Sweet Little Lies. Yeah, they do. I mean, that's why they, that's why they turn on the TV. Yeah. Says a lot right there. There's, yeah. That's iconic. This is uh, nineteen eighty seven. Fleetwood Mac, their 14th studio album, Tango in the Night. I did not know that. It's definitely on their best hits. But, uh, yeah, 1987 brings, brings you right back, doesn't it? It's very popular. Tell me lies, tell me lies. Um, you know what's funny about this production? Most podcasts would would like cut that in. Would like cut the, that in instead of just play the. the we phone just hold it up the to the microphone. It's so much easier to do it that way. <laughs> then you don't have to produce anything. You, nothing has to happen in post. There's a comic out there that says has a like a desk right, and a person sitting at the desk, and there's another desk right next to it, and a person sitting at that desk. Or maybe there's a door. I've seen it both ways. And on the desk, on one of the desks, it says, it says, convenient, comforting lies. And there's a really long line. Mm-hmm. And then at the other desk, it says, inconvenient, difficult truths. And nobody's in line for right. that. Yeah. I, I think it's, we, we like to just be told that everything's fine. All is well. And, uh, uh, just keep, uh, you know, just keep believing what we're telling you. We are your single source of truth. You're going to be safe. 
you're going to be effective, your own nothing, and you'll be happy. Right. But I also think there's a growing... I think I think that people were okay with the sweet little lies until... It's until you start to lose your basic uh, comforts. Yeah, it started... They took away a lot of our... Like I said earlier, they took away our lives yeah. and altered them, turned them upside down, turned them inside out, and people are realizing that these sweet little lies actually are hurting people. They're killing people. We're not hearing a lot about Europe right now with their energy crisis. Are they, are they able to heat their homes? No, you know, I don't think so. I I don't know what the news is. Is the news blacking that out? I've seen a little bit here and there, Uh, but yeah, it's like like good news. Food, food price inflation is what foods essentially doubled in price in the last couple of years. Mm hmm. Like I saw, I was at the store um, recently and of course at the Bruno household, we have to buy eggs, everything in bulk, right? Lots of people at the house. So we get those five dozen eggs, flats, packages, whatever. Yeah. $25. Yeah. Eggs. I can remember when that was under $10, a couple of... Eggs used to be a very cheap staple. Like I know a, they've been a, killing off as many birds as they possibly can. Yeah, they're killing but, off tons of chickens by the millions because of avian flu, of course, yeah. of course. But like a sleeve of, <clears throat> of burgers, you know, the Costco burgers, mm-hmm. they used to be like 12 bucks, now it's 25 bucks, whatever. Yeah. It's, food prices have doubled. I, mean, think that's, I don't think that's an irresponsible statement. No, certain certain food prices have definitely doubled. Everything uh, going to fast food, going out to fast food is absurdly expensive right now. Right. I of course I'm boycotting JCWs, but uh, the price of their shakes had doubled almost immediately into the pandemic. Right. So right, and JCW that's where they lost me. JCW's has always been expensive, but now even the the restaurants, the fast food restaurants out there that are kind of the cheap ones, the cheap options where you could go and get a meal for under five bucks without much yeah. of an issue, or even under three dollars sometimes. Yeah. That those places are eight or nine bucks for a meal, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, still got to give a shout out to our friends at In and Out Burger. The burger is still under three dollars. It's like two eighty nine or something like that. Are they? skimping on the sides of it though no i think it's about the same because that's one way people companies inflation yeah they'll hide inflation by saying no look our prices are the same no i think i I, i'm i'm feel positively about in and out personally i know it's not they they haven't been immune to everything they've had to raise prices they've had to raise uh they've they've increased what they pay their kids over there i think you starting wage is like 15 bucks an hour I think they're pretty competitive. <clears throat> yeah. Well, don't go to In and Out because it's really busy. I'd prefer if you went somewhere else so that I didn't have to compete <laughs> with you in the line. Go pay $9.50 for a burrito at Del Taco. There you go. But it has their epic burritos, so it's worth it. At $10. Is that what they're called? <laughs> epic? Is that like it's, the title? It's great. Yeah, or it is. It's the marketing. It's, it, they call it like the epic whatever burrito, and they're like, Nine dollars each. Like that's a. Should we make up epithets for each other, like uh, titles, like you are the uh, venerable 
Bobby Flood. And well, every time I venerable's say, taken. We have venerable belongs okay, to so Spencer vegetable, Cox. Vegetable, vegetable. <laughs> so the uh, vegetable Bobby Flood across it. Every time I say your name, I have to use the adjective or the epithet or the title. I want to be Lord Commander. Lord Commander. Well, well, Lord Commander. <laughs> um, can I just shorten that to LC? <laughs> LCBF. That works. Now you're just like SBF. You're just LCBF. Oh, by the way, he wants to start a new company to raise money to pay back the FTX investors. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you want us to give you more money? Is he raising money? Is he getting investment? I, I don't know. The, that story is, we will have to come back to that story at some point because that has layer upon layer and thread upon thread. And there's more than meets the eye there. So You're probably right. We'll have to come back to that at some point. Well, okay. So, uh, listeners, the uh, contest for writing a short story, the deadline is quickly approaching. I have a, I have a sinking feeling that we're going to extend that deadline because it's the holidays and I am not motivated to write that story. We either, right now. Do we either need, to, we either need to extend the deadline or do we just need to cancel it? I think we extend it because I think our readers, our listeners out there, are itching to participate? Well, I think they could produce some fun stuff if they actually participate. Okay. You got to comment on the website if you're actually in the middle of either visualizing, contemplating, imagining, or writing a story and you're excited about the contest. Comment out there. I know Pepe has a, a start on a story and uh, TBM is making overtures at thinking about a story, <laughs> thinking about a very, very, very short story. But is anybody else out there um, thinking about it? By the way, I got some comments from uh, Dimitri. Oh, he, right. Dimitri likes to text me rather than comment on the website. Well, he's flaunting that inside Inside channel. track, yeah. He said, he, he said, how about that? A shout out from the last episode. And he's, he clarifies something that he said, or that we said. He said, it, it's hard not to escape quote unquote pop music. It's something I generally eschew. But there's a little crossover between modern alternative rock that I enjoy and the Billboard Hot 100. Even the Cranberries had a few songs on the Hot 100. Although... They did better on the alternative chart. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, we know that you're like a music aficionado, Dimitri. <laughs> I should read your stuff with a Russian accent. <laughs> While it is not hard to escape the pop music, it is something that I generally eschew. But there is a little crossover between modern alternative rock that I enjoy and the Billboard Hot 100. Even the Cranberries had a few songs on the Hot 100. Okay, so Dimitri. Dimitri just pays close attention to detail, and I guess I got to give him some credit for that. When I, when I say pop music, when, when Bobby says pop music, we probably mean popular music. We do get that there is a technical genre, right? Pop. Right. Like, that's technical. And if it offends... The musical, typological purist in you, or would it be uh, 
what's what's the what's the the Greek term for the study of naming things? Um, oh, it's escaping me right now. Anyway, some people like to categorize things. And uh, if, if that's offensive to you, I just want to remind you that we have offended so many people on the Mind Virus show that now you can consider yourself one of them and just be part of the big happy family. And it's okay. Big happy offended family. Yeah. And that's what we are on the Mind Virus show. <laughs> one big offensive happy family. <laughs> Offending and offensive. I, apparently we're not offensive enough because no one's tried to come after us yet. Yeah. Maybe well, I should be careful what I wish for. It's it's all about sweet little lies. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Well, Bobby, I'm all talked out. Okay, me too. <laughs> Hashtag me too. I I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have really enjoyed today's conversation. It's pretty good, <clears throat> especially on that. With that exclamation point, hashtag me too. Uh, so, so good. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Like, comment, subscribe, share, hashtag me too. And uh, oh, we're looking forward to the big episodes coming up, the end of the year episode and the predictions episode. So like, if you want to go back and look, we have all these archived on the web. You can go back, you can call us on anything. Cause if you don't call, if you don't listen to this stuff and you don't come back and call us on it, we might just say that we predicted everything that was happening this year yeah. accurately when that wasn't the reality. And you may have some predictions. You may want to weigh in on, uh, you want, may want to start to philosophize, wax a little nostalgic about the year 2022. By the way, you add up the digits there and you get six, but if you add up 20 and 22, you get 42, which as we all know, if you Google the answer to the ultimate question of life and the universe and everything, the answer is the number 42. Right. Thank you, Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes. So anyway, uh, there you have it. We would love to hear from you on the website if you're so inclined. And if you feel like texting, I will accept your texts and not block your number. <laughs> Dimitri, I will not block your number. All right. Thank Yet. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We uh, appreciate you uh, and uh, take care of yourselves. We are signing off. <laughs>